Farm. So uh, fightaesthetic.asia. That's one of our sponsors for the podcast. If you use the code BJJAsia, you get 10% off all products, um, except from the Legacy Gi. And um, another sponsor of mine is Staline.food on IG. And they do um, chicken protein drinks where they blend chicken and yogurt. And they do a lot of high-protein meals as well, Thai style. So um, check them out. They're delicious. All right. So uh, today's guest on episode technically number 11, when this comes out, will is uh, Patrick Letisa. I hope I, did. I probably missed that up. It's okay. <laughs> um, we got connected through a, a mutual friend of ours called DeWiz in Nepal. And uh, his IG is called My Way to Japan. And um, he's doing like a small charity cycle from Switzerland to Japan. And he's made his way from Thailand to Thailand now. So I'm going to get Patrick to introduce himself. So Patrick, welcome to the show. Please introduce yourself. Thanks, Mac. It's an honor for me to be here. So mm -hmm. my name is, you said it right, Patrick mm -hmm. Letitza. Awesome. 27 years old, uh, born and grew up in Switzerland, original from Croatia. Mm -hmm. And yes, yeah, since today is exactly 502nd day since I start my journey, cycling from Switzerland all the way to Japan. Mm -hmm. So um, when did you start doing jiu-jitsu? I started jiu-jitsu before four and a half years. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, in Zurich, Colson mm -hmm. Gracie, Zurich. Uh, under my professor Broa <laughs> and until now it's just an amazing journey mm -hmm. what I experienced in jiu-jitsu and mm -hmm. it's just the beginning you know yeah. how it is yeah yeah I know it is yeah so um it looks from what I understand I think you're with this whole projects that you're undertaking right now you're doing some um, charity projects for gyms in Brazil right mm -hmm. how did that come about so like the idea was when I thought about this journey mm -hmm. i was like maybe i could combine it to also help other people so during lock time that was uh to beginning 21 mm -hmm. then i went to brazil to my professor and yeah just stayed there trained jiu-jitsu and then i met all these nice people there mm -hmm. also one of the guys was jairo and hena mm -hmm. So we talked, we talked, we talked, and the idea came, man, I could like really help you, you know, your students, these um, kids who really don't have any money. So to just, yeah, support them mm -hmm. a little bit because for them is my professor, bro, is like a big idol. Mm -hmm. So he did it out of the favela in Brazil. Now he's living since 10 years in mm -hmm. Switzerland, really successful and yeah, just doing his best what he can and they really respect him there in brazil mm -hmm. so you know why not give the kids also the same chance because jiu-jitsu is like a great tool to yeah build a fundamentally and good character discipline mindset mm -hmm. to yeah just be the best person of person of yourself to make the best out of your life mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did this kind of like idea of like going from Switzerland all the way to Japan come about? Like when did the idea start materializing in your mind? That was 2019. 2019? Yeah. Okay. At this time I worked as a finance advisor. Oh. And that was probably one of the best and hardest time in my life. Mm -hmm. So I worked two and a half years on commission. Mm -hmm. And you know how it is. You have to work. You have to sell the contracts. Otherwise you don't earn any money. At, at this time, I just realized that I don't want to do this my whole life. Yeah. You know, sitting in the office or like 
talking to the clients and every time about the same stuff. And I just realized, no, that's not my path. Mm -hmm. So then I start questioning myself, like, where do I see myself in the future? And what do I really like? And I always knew I want to travel. I want to explore the world. The world is so big, so beautiful. And I didn't saw nothing at this time, just Europe, always Switzerland, Croatia, Bosnia, visit my family, nothing else. So this dream and this desire came, hey, I have to change something and I want to do a trip, but not on a normal way, just like with airplane or like with a car. No, I need a challenge. So mm -hmm. why not with a bicycle? Okay. And the nice. funny thing is I never cycled before. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> but really don't matter because yeah. If you really believe in yourself and you have this dream, mm -hmm. of course you can do it. Yeah. So in terms of the planning stages, so um, obviously you need to get a bike that's durable, obviously, right? And you've got to like you've got to map out your route, or you can, are you mapping out your route all the way from Switzerland to Japan, or are you doing it in segments? So I did mm -hmm. in the beginning. I made the route. But you have to be flexible <laughs> of course, <laughs> because I realized real quick, no, I cannot go like the exactly route which I planned, um, especially at this time when I was in Turkey. That was now exactly one year and one month ago. Mm -hmm. So at this time of many people, they told me you should not go to Iran at this time. Mm -hmm. So avoid it. And funny thing, a friend of Zurich, which uh, I train jiu-jitsu. He lives in Erbil, which is the capital of North Iraq. Mm -hmm. So it's Kurdistan. Yeah. And he told me like, hey, Patrick, please come and visit me. I heard you are passing across Ira uh, Iraq. Mm -hmm. He asked my professor, bro. Yeah. And he had no idea where I'm going. Mm -hmm. but he just said, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going mm -hmm. across Iraq. And then he started texting me. And I was like, okay, is it safe? Mm -hmm. He said, yeah. I said, okay, 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 I'm coming, <laughs> you know, just going to Iraq. And at this time, I really like it and spoke to another people and they all told me, yeah, you did the right decision. So make another route. And then I had to plan instead of going to Iran and then like Uzbekistan, Kyrgyzstan, these countries. Then I cycled from Iraq to Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Qatar, mm. UAE. And from there, I continued to Pakistan. Right. Yeah. Okay. Wow. But you started in Switzerland. So the first country that you, what are the first borders that you crossed? The Italy border. The Italian border. Yeah, Italian. Okay. Switzerland, Italy. Yeah. How did the, did, did, um, did the routes get more challenging as you started going through? Or like, how, like when you first started like cycling, for example, what are some of the things that you found really unexpected? I knew it's going to be hard. Yeah. <laughs> but that hard. Yeah. Man, I like the first day I did 100 uh, kilometer mm -hmm. and it was just going uphill. I died. What do you think? Which time I arrived uh, at this place, which I set my goal? Mm -hmm. What do you think? Which time? I have no idea. Man, I arrived like 3.30 a.m. But I, I wanted to, you know, mm -hmm. I had to. I, I set this my in my like this goal. And I even took like a power nap on mm -hmm. a bridge, middle of the night. Yeah. I was like pushing my bike <laughs> uphill yeah. to this mountain. And you know, like this kind of stuff, it's everything like part of the journey. Yeah. So 
I felt like it's getting easier, but still like every time super hard. Mm -hmm. So the condition just, you know, get better. Mm -hmm. So I felt physically like stronger, like when I was already like two weeks on my bike, but before I was, this was terrible. I yeah. was dying, you know, mm -hmm. like everything hurts. You're not used to. And like my preparation was not really yeah. that good. <laughs> well, you don't know what to expect because you've never cycled before, obviously, never, right? Never, right. So I did like three preparation uh, uh, tours before. Like a funny thing, one of them was I cycled from my mom's place to my sister's place, which is like 120 kilometer far away. I told her, hey, Meli, I'm going to arrive at lunchtime, prepare mm -hmm. some food. Yeah. Man, I arrived the uh, evening, you know, yeah. <laughs> completely exhausted, like yeah. I was dead and, but it's okay, you know. So, and like the condition changed then when I arrived to the Arabian countries. Yeah. So like Europe was pretty easy. It was like, of course it was hard. It was challenging. Yeah. But it was like a preparation for like big part for like the difficult part, let's mm -hmm. say like this also like from the nature. Yeah, in Europe, you have like uphills, downhills, like this mountain region, especially then when I was in, in Turkey. And like Toscana, Italy, you all have these uh, places. And but then cycling in the desert. Yeah, that was next level, right? That was hard. That yeah. was different. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So but I enjoyed it mm -hmm. because I knew, OK, it's just make you stronger, you know, and this kind of experience is just unique. Yeah. So, in terms of, so the first area that you're traveling through was Europe and then Turkey as well. How did you get a lot of training in between when you're in Europe? Europe? I tried to. Yeah. So in every country I train jujitsu. Yeah. So, but it's not that same level like before when I lived in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, okay, you train like twice a day, you have your program. This day is just technical training. Next day sparring. Mm -hmm. No chance. Like no. when I was on the road, it was pretty hard it was really hard because i just have like one example in my in my head when i arrived in skopje mm -hmm. the capital of north macedonia okay so i was exhausted mm -hmm. and then same day in the evening i went to jujitsu yeah and i learned a lot about myself at this training at this evening because you're just at your limit of physically mm -hmm. like I would say like yeah, you're moving all day. Yeah, yeah, I was already, you know, like really, really tired. And then you go and put yourself again in a hard situation, like a hard moments rolling with big guys, mm -hmm. Balkan guys, yeah. you know, like <laughs> even, you know, like if they're like blue belt, whatever, mm -hmm. they want to smash you, you know, yeah. because you're like the new one and uh, it's every time the same. Yeah. So you have to be focused, you have to fight and Man, I just realized, fuck it, man, I'm so, I'm so tired, you know, but you have to keep on to keep moving, moving, moving. Mm -hmm. And I feel like after this session, I was not happy. I was not like really proud of myself because I knew, okay, I could do much more. But then I have just to realize and zoom out and you just cycle, you know, yeah. from Switzerland to North Macedonia. Come on, you know, yeah. it's okay that you know you get tapped at this time because you're already at your limit mm -hmm. and you did everything and you should be proud of yourself you know so and then i realized okay good job you know yeah and that's all about it mm -hmm. so you never quit you always do it again 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 don't matter how you feel mm -hmm. and that's all about yeah so after europe you're going into like the arabian countries right 
obviously it's like desert landscape. So like in terms of like how dangerous it is, I mean, I can imagine you're cycling through like long periods of just desert road. Mm -hmm. So how did you like, how, how do you like um, mitigate like risk, let's say, for example, of dehydration, stuff like that? So I'm really thankful for all the Arabians people who yeah. stopped for me, who helped me. Because oh. that's just awesome. Mm -hmm. They are really, really awesome. Like the hospitality, they always stopped when they asked me, do you need water? Do you need food? Like everything you know you want to come over stay at night mm -hmm. that was great i think without their help it was it will be much much harder mm -hmm. so yeah i took like a pose whenever i need it mm -hmm. under like a bridge when you have like some shadow yeah otherwise it's like the sun just sun is down you, yeah. you you know <laughs> and yeah but with the help of the people it was not easy but yeah more easier much easier much wow. easier yeah very hospitable then very very yeah. so it started already you know in in turkey mm -hmm. when i and then it also started getting like colder at mm -hmm. the region it was like zero degree and when i couldn't find like a sleeping place normally i always put my tent in the nature mm -hmm. but sometimes you're just cycling so late and it's completely dark you can't see like what's around then i stopped and people told me like you can sleep in the mosque Mm -hmm. You know, just yeah. put your uh, sleeping mat down here and sleep and stay, you know, you're protect, protect of the weather, mm -hmm. which is like really, really nice. And yeah. that was like the whole time from Turkey to mm -hmm. also Pakistan. Wow. The hospitality. Mm -hmm. Really amazing. Awesome. So in terms of like the Arabian country or the Middle Eastern countries that you've been to, which, which countries did you find, let's say, the most challenging and where did you find the most hospitable, for example? Of all the countries? Of all the Middle Eastern countries Middle that you Eastern. went through, yeah. Ooh, um, ah, it's like <laughs> pretty like similar. All similar culturally. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All similar culturally. Just like it changed of the, of the nature from Turkey, very like uh, a lot of mountains, hilly region to then like Iraq from Baghdad, it mm -hmm. was just like flat. Oh, right, okay. Flat until Dubai. Mm -hmm. There's no danger whatsoever. So there was like a like one spot which is south of Erbil, in between Erbil and Baghdad. Mm -hmm. So in this region, it's only like 300 kilometers. Right. Oh my. <laughs> it's not yeah. that far. It's like when I cycle. It... But if it's flat, it's not so bad, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's flat. Okay. Then it takes me like easy, like three days. Mm -hmm. So, but many people told me like, it's not really safe in between there. Mm -hmm. So there are still ISIS and you should avoid to cycle there. And I'm this type of guy, you know, mm -hmm. I just go. Yeah, just it will go. come, how it will come, you know. I really trust myself, I trust my path. But at this time, just in this moment, I just thought about my family and friends, you know, my lovely people. And it's not big deal for me yeah. you know going cross situation like this because i i know i will do the best out of it mm -hmm. but it's more for them yeah because just imagine you're sitting home and you're becoming a message hey your son is uh under isis yeah. <laughs> whatever is in that prison you know my mom or my friends they would they yeah would die you know they, yeah. they freak out so mm -hmm. better not to put them into a situation like this so that's why i avoid to cycle just this 300 kilometer, mm -hmm. I took the plane. Yeah. And easy. Yeah. Then I continued. It's a much smarter option. Yeah. 
because I don't have to prove nothing to no, no. one. Because already, you know, arriving to Iraq, cycling across Iraq is mm -hmm. like a big, big deal. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I was thinking the same thing when I was living in Myanmar as well. I was fine. Lockdowns were happening. Military coup was happening. I'm fine. I'm relatively safe. I'm okay. But then you've got to, you got to think about the people that you love, yeah. right? And you really want to put them in a situation where they're worried. And a lot of my family was like advising me, maybe it's time to get out for a little while. And I just thought, okay, I'm being selfish if I try and stay. True. So that's why I left basically. Yeah. True. So um, what's the training like in the Middle East? How's the level? So it's like really different mm -hmm. from country to country. Yeah. So in Turkey, I thought it will be much higher level. Okay. But it, it isn't. And Jiu Jitsu is not real like like uh what they really do the mm -hmm. turkish turkish guys yeah and then like iraq like training in in erbil it was like great uh with my friends from uh, henzo gracie okay. the Padoja there and it was a really nice time mm -hmm. it's more that it's upcoming yeah upcoming so like for whole whole iraq also like in erbil then in Baghdad, like same in mm -hmm. kuwait like much higher level they mm -hmm. also compete a lot yeah like uh, tough guys. Yeah. Then in Saudi Arabia, I trained in Dammam, uh, which is close to Bahrain at mm -hmm. the border. And like, they are good. They are yeah. a good level. Yeah. And if you go more east, then it's getting better and better and better. Yeah. Because like in UAE, Abu Dhabi. It's in the school curriculums. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So from what I understand as well, it's the, um, there's two organizations in, in um, that area. It's the UAE JJF, obviously. So you have like AJP Tour, you have the Intercontinental, then you have like the Grand Slam in Tokyo as well. So it's all kind of like oil money getting funded into like the school curriculums as well. So it's mandatory for kids to learn jujitsu. Um, I think it's two brothers. One brother runs the UAE JJF and the other brother runs ADCC. Mm. So they have like unlimited like funding to like run these competitions. And uh, Europe, it's like huge now. True. And now in Southeast Asia, it's just starting. True. Yeah. And like they've already announced competitions in Malaysia, Philippines. They've got, I think they're going to have it in Indonesia as well. And then obviously um, I'll be helping out with AJP in Thailand in February as well. So, I mean, they're trying to expand it. And obviously there's an, they have that incentive where they bring a lot of, where you get points mm -hmm. so you can, compete at the world championships. And I remember um, actually the national team from Bahrain came to train at our gym, which was awesome. And one of the guys, very, very passionate. And I think he's like a really famous orthopedic surgeon in Bahrain <laughs> as well. So it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they're very passionate in those countries now with Jiu-Jitsu. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like from Qatar, mm -hmm. then it started to having, they, they had a lot of Brazilians also. Yeah which are abroad, they work there, they teach and like the level, of course, it's yeah. get higher and higher. So in Doha, where I trained and in Dubai, wow, so many Brazilians. Yeah, I thought I am in Brazil again, you know, <laughs> <laughs> so it was mm -hmm. pretty cool. And of course, like for all the guys there, mm -hmm. like great opportunity, you know, to roll with strong guys like them. Yeah, I mean, they have they have different coaches for different people. So I think it's like the minimum you have to be is a brown belt. I think mm -hmm. I think that's what the requirement is. And then depending on your level of competition experience, or your coachability or your resume, I think the grade of how much you get paid is higher. Sure. But then obviously like some of the, um, there's some coaches for the military, for example, exactly. for the police, police. exactly, and yeah. then for like everybody else true, basically. True, true. Yeah. Many of them. Yeah. 
It's crazy. It's really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I really like that idea, you know, that the police, military, that they should train martial art, jujitsu, mm -hmm. whatever, because come on, like when I look to Switzerland, like the basic, like the basic, of course they do some martial art or just like mm -hmm. self-defense, you know, but it's never, you know, no. same level. So mm -hmm. you really, it's again, you have to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. Mm -hmm even when you're a policeman, because that can be really tough, you know, once you have like a mission, whatever, and you don't know how to react in this kind of situation, mm -hmm. then it can be dangerous. Yeah, uh, I was, before things got a little bit chaotic in Myanmar as well, um, the kid, his father was high ranking in the military and I just suggested, why don't, why don't um, we do something where we can teach jiu-jitsu with the military there? <laughs> I didn't, I didn't really understand what the politics w was at the time. So, I mean, I was just suggesting it because the kid seemed like a really nice guy as well. But apparently, especially Myanmar, the way the military is, is a really closed off community. Yeah. But then when you go to countries like um, Cambodia, I've got a friend that's um, half Cambodian called V. He runs a gym called HR. And uh, the gym's now more to do with um, Chari, with um, disadvantaged kids teaching them jujitsu. But from what I understand, V is working pretty closely with the military there mm -hmm. and how to strip away all the sports jujitsu kind of things and then kind of like filtering it down to what really works in real combat situations. So he's working with the military doing that right now. Cool. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. That's nice. Yeah. So how many days were you in Europe and then how many days were you in uh, the Middle East? <laughs> Took me four months to arrive to Istanbul, right from from Switzerland, mm -hmm. from Zurich, and like in Turkey, I stayed two months, and then I was already in the Arabian countries, and from there, wait, like today is the first December. Yes, first December now. Yeah. So yesterday, before one year, I arrived in Iraq, mm -hmm. and then I stayed there until March, mm -hmm. 11 March. And then I flew from Dubai to Karachi, Pakistan. So mm -hmm. what it is, November, December, January, February, like five months, Yeah, five months mm -hmm. and spent so totally like seven months in the Islamic countries. Yeah. So yeah, like mm -hmm. great experience, great time. You really enjoyed yeah. that? Yeah, it's really, really, oh, really right. cool. Okay. I think you're telling me earlier on, we we're just having a quick coffee as well. Um, I think just before you left Pakistan, it got a little bit chaotic there. Could yeah. you tell me a little bit about that? Exactly. So, man, just imagine, you know, you're cycling yeah. and they're like burning like uh, cars yeah. and like trucks. Mm -hmm. So there was like something with the ex-premier minister and the military took the power and it just started to be really yeah, uncomfortable. Hostile. Yeah. yeah. You know, but I don't know, like for me, you know, it's... I just take it how it is, you know, and of course you're not like living mm -hmm. there. It's much different when you're a Pakistani and mm -hmm. then you feel it much, much more. Yeah. But I guess it was like a good time to leave the country mm -hmm. after two months. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So then you cross the border from Pakistan to India? Exactly. India. The Wagga border. Ah, right. Okay. So how did you find uh, India and how long were you there for? Bro, that was, <laughs> that was a hard an interesting time yeah so i have like to say it already started to be like hard in a way just uncomfortable sometimes for myself when i reached pakistan and start cycling there because 
so many people, so mm -hmm. many traffic, super loud. Everything, you know, it's just like too much for, for yourself. Like, yeah. you're like, shit, 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 what's yeah. happened, you know? So, and especially, just imagine you stop to check like the route, drink water. 20 seconds later, like 10 persons standing yeah. around you, staring, touching you. Mm -hmm. And you feel like... Yeah, you don't know what's going all the time yeah you know and so and you just want to have your space you know your peace but sometimes you can't choose what you get yeah. so then i realized okay it's really not worth you know to be like not aggressive mm -hmm. but like stressed mm -hmm. you know so find a way to deal with it mm -hmm. you know stay calm and just relax because Put yourself in the situation of them like they're seeing a white guy with a bicycle like what the hell you know yeah did he got lost mm -hmm. what is he doing here so it's very interesting for mm -hmm. them then i realized this by time so in india it was just like a little bit more than pakistan right much more especially you know like the traffic mm -hmm. they don't have rules no none <laughs> not at all bro you're cycling and like a truck is coming to you mm. and you're like am i on the wrong way you're like on the wrong track uh mm. on the wrong street yeah no no i'm right but yeah. this guy is just he doesn't he care what he wants you know and then like the motorbikes they're like flies you know mm. like zzz, zzz, everywhere yeah. and cars and trucks and whatever crazy mm -hmm. crazy and like india was really like the hardest part yeah until now mm -hmm. because at this time, it was also summer, mm -hmm. so I cycled like in 45 degrees, yeah. dying, you know, I had to wake up really early, uh, prepare my stuff and just start cycling around 5.30, 6 a.m., just that it's not be that hot, you know, otherwise like lunchtime, you can't move, it's just too much. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, yeah. M many things else, you know, mm -hmm. also like especially in the end, like close to Nepal, that was like the most, like really, how to say, hard, hard situation because I got an accident mm -hmm. and like, it was just like 60, 70 kilometer away from Nepal. And yeah, I can't remember what happened. Oh, wow. They found me on the street, mm -hmm. unconscious. So I got a front crash. Oh, and the driver disappeared, of course. Yeah. And so like people found me, they carried me to the side. Then I woke up again, got my conscious back. And I was like, just what happened? You know, my brain was hurting, was yeah. like everything was like uh, spinning, spinning around. And yeah, so seeing my bicycle completely destroyed. Yeah, it was like, mm -hmm. oh, shit. Mm -hmm. What now? <laughs> So, and of course, what do you expect? Like 30 people around me, oh, you know, I, I felt like in a zoo, you know, yeah. like, oh, what is this? And I'm just sitting there, you know, try to bring my shit together just to keep focusing even in this situation because you're by yourself. You don't know anyone, yeah. you know, you can't contact your best friend, bro, come pick me up. No chance, you know, so stay calm, just relax, breathe. And step by step. So what else? Then we went to the hospital. In India. In India. Yeah. Like a small hospital. So I was there in the in the in the room where it's like the doctor. And I felt like it's a 
I don't know, like uh, a night market or like just yeah. a market because just chaos full, full. And they they just came for me yeah. to look what happened. And there was a journalist. He was with his camera there. And he asked me, like, can we do an interview? I said, hey, <laughs> go away. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Yeah. What, what, what kind of interview you want to do? Bro, I just survived, you yeah. know? My helmet saved my life. It was uh, fucked up, everything. And I just, I'm super lucky, you know? I didn't break anything. Yeah. I'm still here. So thanks God, you know? And go away, you know? And terrible. Then I had to wait like four four hours I think at the police station mm -hmm. because they just don't know what they do yeah um, they had to like bring me to the next city so I can just rest in a hotel but they didn't mm -hmm. they said yeah yeah we're gonna come we're gonna come they had like a mission so the, all day they disappeared they went for like um, this mission whatever and then I had to go with a tuk-tuk okay. bicycle everything yeah. you know and I'm like my, my brain. Did you even was, get like a CT scan or anything? Nothing. 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 I mean, you're obviously concussed, right? I had a yeah. confusion. Yeah, yeah. I had, and yeah. you know, I, nothing. I just like survival of the fittest, yeah. you know, just the, the hard uh, guys, they will survive. So yeah. what should I do? You know, everything was hurting. I was just like totally on my end. And like, finally, when I got to the hotel room, bro, I just slept, you know, yeah. like, two days, I don't know, just chill, rest, and yeah, I was staying in this hotel room. And then when I reached later Kathmandu, I did a MRI, mm -hmm. and yeah, lucky. Luckily nothing. Nothing, okay. you know, it's just like, yeah, it was the shock, and my brain got like shaked, so it was just, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But that, crazy, crazy. It could have been a lot worse, yeah. It, it could, it yeah. could, but mm -hmm. I'm super lucky. Very lucky. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so, you, so you get to Nepal and, <clears throat> oh, I wanted to ask as well. Yeah. In terms of um, the food, when you're traveling mm. through, where was your favorite places to eat or what, what food did you, were you surprised that you really enjoyed? So, ooh, 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 ooh. good question, right? That's a good question. <laughs> and like, like the best foods until now, like here in Thailand. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here in Thailand. Yeah. But for me, I'm I'm vegetarian since four years. Okay. So even then, it was no mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. You know, always find good food, and I was never hungry. Mm -hmm. So all good, you know. And depends on the region. Like in the Arabians, I always ate a lot of falafel. Mm -hmm. You know, like vegetables. They they everywhere they have vegetables so like rice and like pasta whatever so you always find yeah this. also like in especially like in pakistan like they have uh, delicious bread oh really yeah really good mm -hmm. bread and just like yeah the the kitchen there is mm -hmm. it's really good right. yeah you but didn't get any food poisoning or anything not the food poison but because the water right oh, i got so bad diarrhea really <laughs> i I was, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> I was dying. Yeah. Yeah. That happened first when I was in Karachi. Mm -hmm. uh, I got, I wanted to continue, yeah. but then it just started. Yeah. So I had to rest one week more. So I'd stay at my uh, friend's place, Nile, and had my room, everything good. You know, I was just like toilet, bed, toilet, toilet bed yeah. all the time. Mm -hmm. And then when I felt better, okay, then I went to Islamabad. And from there I cycled uh, all the way, like the, the mountains the north 
And once I reached Chitral, mm -hmm. which is like a very beautiful, nice place, historical also, then it hits me again. Oh. And not because the food, mm -hmm. it was just, I, yeah, bad mistake. Guys, if you listen to it, never use like uh, the water from the toilet, you know, yeah. to brush your, brush your teeth. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's how you got it. it. Just, just brushing your teeth in water, that's, that's it. it. Nothing else. So really bad. You have yeah. to be careful. Always use mm -hmm. um, plastic, like water mm -hmm. from the bottle. Never, you know, mm -hmm. do this mistake because then it just started. And I had it like two weeks in the north. So yeah. it, it hits me hard. Mm -hmm. But by time, lucky, I got better again. And since then, that was like in, in April. Mm -hmm. Since then, I never had it again. Okay. Yeah, it's a nightmare. All part to, of yeah. the journey. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like... It's true. That's life. <laughs> we know it when we go somewhere, holidays, right? Mm -hmm. And you try the local food. You're not used to. And it's just maybe a little bit too much for your stomach. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, you just need some times or... Yeah, but it can happen. Same in Myanmar as well. Um, they didn't have a refrigeration for a very long time. So in terms of the food as well, they usually preserve food by making it super oily. So that the top layer of oil keeps the food preserved mm -hmm. as well so then when you mm -hmm. when they serve you the food there's like a big layer of oil on top and it's just like so nice the, and <laughs> the oil's not exactly the cleanest oil as well it's probably reused cooking oil as well right so i got it's called burma belly i got that a few times and you don't know how long this oil yeah. is already you know exactly so you yeah. got it a few times a couple of times yeah another issue is like i don't like taking antibiotics mm, same for me yeah i avoid it i try and avoid it but I did, I think I did three days and they you said, gotcha. please do the four, five, full five days. I did three days and I just thought, you know, screw it. I don't want to take any more. And then it just came back immediately yeah. after that. So then yeah. those two weeks of Burma belly, basically. Yeah. Not really bad. Yeah. Just um, because the food? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just because like water. It's or, the water I've been lucky with. I was relatively quite, quite, quite careful about yeah. it. Yeah. But it's usually the food. Yeah. So, um, Nepal, how long were you there for? One month. One month. Exactly one yeah. month, yeah. Uh, where did you visit in uh, Nepal? So I, I entered uh, Nepal by foot. Mm -hmm. So because bicycle got destroyed, I bought a backpack and mm -hmm. then I started walking. Had to stop because just the confusion was too much. Then I just went directly to Kathmandu mm -hmm. by car and there I stayed. Mm -hmm. So like luckily I... Like in this hotel where I stayed, I met my friend and cross him, I got induced to two gyms. No, first, uh, first one, uh, it's tap out mm -hmm. gym. Yep. And there I met this. Yeah. So mm -hmm. like we wiped uh, from the first moment. He's a great guy. He and is, yeah. we really had a short but nice time together. Yeah. So we had a nice talk, then like a flow roll. I was like... Bro, I just got hit. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just chill. You know? <laughs> I can't roll yeah. too much. I said, all good. Yeah. And then he invited me to his dojo in the evening. Yeah. So I went there and he asked me, do you want to teach? Mm -hmm. I said, yeah, yeah, why not? You know, yeah. so so it was like a cool experience. And one day later, he had to go to, to Thailand. Yeah. One of his students had a fight. Revendra, one yeah. Exactly. One championship he won. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Great victory. Yeah. And then I stayed just a full month in Kathmandu, was teaching in both, uh, both the gym. Yeah, lock and roll and also then tap out just like three times per week, yeah. morning, afternoon. 
it was great, you know. So I had like time to recover myself from the accident and just came by time like back to my old shape, start mm -hmm. training a little bit and like really, really nice. Yeah. And but ne Nepal is like you really like that. Oh, it's really cool. Yeah. Really. But I have to go back when it's not also uh, raining season. Right. To go for uh, some hikes and just visit visit uh, other places. So I'm sure next time I'm going to visit it, I will stay for longer. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be there. Maybe when uh, one, when uh, this is uh, organizing the NWC or the Nepal Warrior Championships event because he wants me to come and like yeah. uh, check it out. And you stuff have like to. That. Yeah. Taka wants to come as well. We want to film the whole thing. Mm. So that's the plan next. Um, and he also said if if you're going to come, come for at least a week or two weeks because there's another city in Nepal called Pokhara. Pokhara. Exactly. I heard it's supposed to be the most beautiful city in the world. Or, Yeah. But Diz as well, he's created something pretty incredible. He's he's very charismatic, actually. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, he's just got that kind of like charisma, right? Mm -hmm. So he can true, organize true, all these true, kind true. of things. And he has these people that want to follow him as well, you know? That's true. Yeah. He's a good leader. Yeah, exactly. And people really like and appreciate him, respect him. You see the guys that are around him, right? He's got warriors around him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Nepali warriors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they've got like crazy... I don't know if you roll with a lot of them, but like what they lack in tech... Like, a few more years and they'll probably reach the technical level. But what sure. I find is what they lack in technique, they make up for in like in terms of their pacing because mm -hmm. they just have a, like like yeah. unlimited gas tank. I feel true, true, yeah. true. I realized this when I was uh, teaching and lock and roll, mm -hmm. and I was just like sitting after um, our training and just see you know some of them are still training. Yeah, but they are like real warriors, mm -hmm. you know, and really respect them and. Yeah, how you said, yeah. just a couple of years more and yeah. they will be like on a really good level, especially like jujitsu because they just yeah. mostly do MMA. Yeah. So yeah, let's see. I yeah. think it's going to be something. I think so. Yeah. Really jujitsu only came the last few years true. during lockdown, true. I think as true. well, true. you know, so not long ago. Yeah. It's going to grow for sure. Um, so after Nepal, what, where was next? So from Kathmandu, because I knew about the situation in Myanmar, mm -hmm. which is actually you know it's uh, yeah. the best, so I don't have to mm -hmm. tell you this. So I was not able to go to Myanmar because also I didn't have the bicycle anymore. Yeah. So like my plan was it, okay, I will send my bicycle from India to Thailand and then I'm going to fly from Kathmandu to Bangkok and stay there. And that's like my officially big like rest in between. So a good friend of me, Stephanie, lives in Huahin. Mm -hmm. So I stayed there for a while and I was expecting, you know, that... My bicycle will come like soon. Mm -hmm. Bro, it's still not mm -hmm. enough. You know when this happened? <laughs> it's Southeast Asia. <laughs> uh, no, it's just, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. But mm -hmm. they told me Monday. Yeah. So today is Friday. Yeah. So in three days, mm -hmm. it should arrive. Okay. Let's see. They Very say well. in the Raven countries, inshallah. It will yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I hope so. Otherwise, it's okay because. Mm -hmm. That's what I also learned. You don't should be like focused on the material things, you know, and hold too Doesn't much matter. on it. Just yeah. let it go. So mm -hmm. if it's come, great. Then I will try to fix my bike. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, fuck off. Yeah. I buy a new one, mm -hmm. buy the new stuff, but everything is inside there. Yeah. So, but it just is, it is how it is. So yeah. you have to keep going. So after Thailand, you're going to be cycle. Well, you're going to cycle from Thailand to, is it Cambodia or Vietnam next? First Cambodia. First Cambodia, and then after Cambodia is going to be Vietnam. V 
Vietnam is going to be interesting. The jiu-jitsu scene okay. is interesting there. Okay. For sure, yeah. Like, um, I know a lot of the people there. Um, there's got my, my pronunciation of, like, um, Vietnamese names are terrible. So in Hanoi, they've got Ronin. Um, I've never trained there, but I know I know one of the head coaches there. I trained at Hanoi BJJ about maybe four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Very nice. They, they use, like, a government martial arts building, and they've got all these different disciplines teaching there. Oh, man. And in Ho Chi Minh, um, there's a guy called Anthony. He's originally from the U- he's U.S. Vietnamese, but um, he used to be one of the head managers of Saigon Sports Club, which is like this huge super facility. They hosted a couple of competitions there before everything became nice. a little bit difficult. But um, he decided to do his own thing. He got his black belt now, and he's got a gym called Jozu. Jozu. J-O-Z-U. So I highly recommend you train there. Which city? Um, that one's in Ho Chi Minh. Ho Chi Minh. Yeah. The capital, right? Yeah. Super nice guy, and um, he's actually just expanded after maybe like a short period of being in a small space. They're in a huge space now. My other friend, Duk, he owns a gym called, or runs a gym called Gisidio, and he's, I think he's like the only gi brand in uh, Vietnam, actually. Okay. Gi's in Saigon. Okay. So that's another place you want to visit as well. I have to. Yeah. You have to send me these names. Yeah, all of them. I'll send them all to you later. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think it's like pretty on the road. On mm-hmm. the road, so of course the capital, and yeah. then cycle all the way the coast mm-hmm. up to uh, Hanoi. Hanoi, yeah. exactly. And there's jiu-jitsu in Da Nang as well. Yeah, yeah. There's jiu-jitsu everywhere in Vietnam now. I will try it. Yeah, it'll be awesome. Man, there are. I think when this journey comes to an end, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have like some kind yeah. of list of of dojos yeah. of uh, mm-hmm. countries, everything. But yeah, that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, looking forward. Yeah. So the end of the trip is going to be in Japan, but you want to stay there for a little while, right? True. Yeah. Probably like for six months. Oh, six months. Wow. What's the plan? Like with Swiss passport, I can stay so long. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like the plan is to cycle around whole Japan. Mm -hmm. So I will arrive probably from from South Korea to like the South. Mm -hmm. Japan and then going all the way up and down and just stay in every city and train jujitsu, judo, improve my Japanese, yeah. just enjoy the time there yeah. because it's like a really big, big deal for me, big yeah. dream, you know, to mm-hmm. stay there, to reach this country and just to enjoy it. Yeah. A lot I find yeah, a lot of foreigners they, they always say to me, oh, I want to like I ask them like where do you want to train? And they always say Japan. They have this idea of like Japan being kind of like a birthplace of like um Martial, martial arts, arts I guess, yeah. yeah. It's a samurai. Yeah. I truly believe I was like a samurai in my past <laughs> life. <laughs> like a warrior. Yeah. yeah. Japan's going to be, a, yeah, Japan, definitely. The jiu-jitsu is really good, fun there as well. You know how it is. Like, yeah. how many dojos did you train there? Quite a few. I mean, um, I'm based in Yokohama, so um, I was training at a gym there. And then I found... For me, I'm, I'm quite westernized, so I, I tend to like a little bit more western culture yeah. in terms of my gym. Um, in between Tokyo and Yokohama, there's a place called Kamata, which is around like Kawasaki area. Yeah. And there's a guy called uh, Yuji um, that runs a little gym called Ishin, and uh, he trained in the U.S. and studied in the U.S. as yeah. well. And he got his black from Kleber, and um, he spoke really good English as well, so I just I kind of vibe with him, and that's Perfect. why I decided to train with him, yeah. Can but, you recommend it? I definitely recommend Ishin for one. Um, another, and most of the Carpe Diem gyms are really friendly. Whichever station you are in Tokyo, there's usually a gym there. Nice. There's even two Carpe Diems in Okinawa as well. Highly recommend those. 
and generally they're a lot more um how do you say like foreigner friendly so some gyms they, they just don't care it's like oh they're not going to try and accommodate foreigners when yeah. they visit but carpe diem in general if you go to any of the branches they're generally really friendly and very oh, yes. accommodating ishikawa was like that just because he started jiu-jitsu at a young age when he went to arizona state university yeah. and when he came back he was training and um Obviously, like martial arts is a huge thing in Japan, mm -hmm. but then culture is very different as well. Sure. And if you actually speak to Ishikawa, initially when he started his own gym, he was called the pirate, like he was considered the pirate of jiu-jitsu. Pirate. Pirate, yeah. So this is an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons is because in Japan, you have this hierarchy of yeah. teacher and student. Yeah. And they expect you to be just, you follow the leader unquestionably you and then to. you have to teach yeah. you don't get paid yeah. it's the honor of teaching for your teacher yeah. and he wanted to change this culture because mm -hmm. if you want to do jiu-jitsu full-time you're not getting paid to teach oh, you, you have nothing to, yeah, to exactly buy, you know? and so he tried to change this by giving a living wage to jiu-jitsu people yeah. and eventually before you know it, all these people from different regions of japan that are high level competitors start saying can i work for you please mm. and uh and they started in three three low first it was Aoyama in Tokyo and then it was Mita and then there's another place in Hiro and these are all three different regions in Tokyo because you can imagine how big and congested Tokyo is right super big so then you have these instructors coming along yeah. then you have these foreigners coming along training and then you want to try and find a way to hire them <laughs> and then eventually let's say four or five years in all these high-level competitors are maybe going into their early 30s and they're thinking maybe I need to get married have children settle down so then these guys spread out, mm. right? Mm. So so then they end up opening up gyms in like Osaka, yeah. Hokkaido, all Okinawa. Yeah. And then it just spread out like that, basically. And then you have all these different gyms that want to run a successful business, but they they kind of want a network. So then they join in with Carpe Diem as well, because the aesthetic is very beautiful as well. Okay. I mean, pe people want to wear the brand, even though they're not associated with the brand or the team, right? So he's done a very good job of maybe making it trend. He's made Carpe Diem as a brand very trendy as well. So I highly recommend training at those gyms, basically. I think at this time, especially today, it's very people, mm -hmm. they take a lot of, it's important for them, Yeah, this kind of stuff. So he's doing a great job. Yeah. So he knows how to do business. Exactly. And that's all about these days. And yeah, otherwise, if like... If you're a great teacher, you're like the god of jujitsu, yeah. but you cannot um, lead a business. Don't matter, you know. Yeah, it doesn't matter how doesn't good matter. you are. Yeah, yeah. So and your body wears out eventually, exactly. right? I mean, you can't do this forever. Oh, no. no, you know how it is. Yeah, it's like bros talk with jujitsu. It's the best thing, and you're yeah. like, before you know, it, your elbows are fucked up, your shoulders fucked up. You know, My neck's messed up right now as well. Really? You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can't stop, right? No, you can't. You can't. <laughs> Ah, it's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting worse, but it's okay. You know, yeah, yeah. And uh, you get a lot of visitors, especially in Thailand, you get a lot of visitors as well. Yeah. Um, after, it was really interesting because before I became one of the partners in the gym, what, what they figured out was when you actually do the accounting, actually 20%, 25% of the revenue actually came from foreigners, from, for visitors. Mm. Yeah, just drop-ins, right? Because they just come in and out. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, let's say you get somewhere like um, Phuket, Probably the ratio is a little bit different. So, so in Bangkok, it's 75-25, where 75 are regulars and locals. Yeah. Whereas you can imagine it's probably the 
exact inverse of that in Phuket, where it's a tourist spot, right? That makes it really yeah. hard to... You can imagine how bad it got with lockdowns. Yeah, it is. Something. You, you got to adapt. I mean, okay. you're going to see the gyms that adapt. Those are the ones that are going to survive eventually, right? True. Mm -hmm. So do you have any, mem like, apart from, like, the journey so far, do you have any more, like, memorable moments that you can speak of? Or whether it's jiu-jitsu or whether it's been cycling through a certain area? It's just like every time, you know, I got these beautiful moments with people I don't know and they, you know, invite you, they help you, like this hospitality is just always beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I always try to give it back. Yeah. So give more than you take. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe, you know, like with this mindset, it will always be good. Yeah. And just just be friendly, open-minded, you know, and enjoy, enjoy the, the ride, the yeah. journey, you know? Mm -hmm. So like also very nice moments uh, was like when my family visited me. Mm -hmm. So first, like in Istanbul, after the four months, my mom and sister came, also my best friend. Mm -hmm. We spent some time together and my sister and brother-in-law, they just came two months ago in Kopangan, yeah. spent a week together. And now my mom will come and visit me end of the year in Phuket. Awesome. So, you know, like, yeah. this is really nice. And also, like, something beautiful is the contact with all my friends mm -hmm. in Switzerland and all the guys I met on the road, you know, and we're still in contact, sometimes more, sometimes mm -hmm. less. But for me, important is that you're still, you know, like, I'm not the type of guy I will always text you every day. Mm -hmm. But... For me, yeah. it's not important because mm -hmm. I know, like, you're doing good. Yeah. Like, same for me. Yeah. I know you, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. And time by time, you know, we talk, we, we call each other and then just have a quick uh, conversation and everything fine again. But just like, you know, these small moments make it really nice, you know, and they push you. They say, like, hey, great job, you know, keep going. You're like a motivation, inspi inspiration for for all of us. So... Yeah. yeah. Future plans and what are the future goals after the six months in Japan? Have you thought about that? I did. Yeah. <laughs> and what I already know is I can't go back to Switzerland and start, you know, work. Just going back to that normal lifestyle again. No, no, no. 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 Just imagine, you know, going from a journey like this, mm -hmm. like back to the office, nine to five again. It doesn't sound possible, oh, no. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I will freak out, you know, Yeah. real quick. So, yeah. no, no, no. But of course, I want to go back to Switzerland, spend some time with my family, friends. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, see them talk and just be there a while. But, like, my main goal is I will focus on doing coachings mm -hmm. in the topic of mindset right because i realized everything is mindset mm -hmm. like the whole journey is just a mindset uh, journey nothing else and a lot of people texted me like uh, social media like wow how you do this and you're so brave i also want to do this but everyone can do it you just need to understand that everything is possible and if you really look into yourself and start to understand what you're able to so then go for it yeah and i realized like my mission on earth is to help other people mm -hmm. to make them better in every way even if it's like just you know improve 
the relationship like with friends in the job like or just to be the best version of themselves or like in jiu-jitsu mm -hmm. don't matter yeah that's what i like yeah. i like to give mm -hmm. and just to see how they improve makes me happy so i want to focus becoming like a coach in this topic and also one day to open my own dojo yeah but mm -hmm. you don't know where yet though right yeah not really mm -hmm. like it in asia somewhere I, yeah i don't know like yeah. we will see but yeah. yeah that's what i was thinking about yeah. yeah it's just one of those things i've lived in the uk i've lived in japan as well but for some reason once i lived in thailand it kind of kept on while well, southeast asia just kept on drawing me back for something there's some kind of charm about it do and you like it here more than <laughs> more than japan and uk yeah definitely what's the difference Japan was too structured. Too structured. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Too structured. And at the same time, a mixed race as well. Yeah. So when I went back to Japan, they expect you to be Japanese, right? And in the UK, you, you don't realize until you leave, when, until you leave um, Europe, you're different. Because like when, when I moved to Thailand, I got treated very differently. Yeah. In Japan, I'm pretty normal. But Asia, I felt a lot more welcome, basically. Mm. And just the UK weather is just the worst thing in the world. Uh, same like Switzerland. I know it's like, come on. <laughs> I remember um, I went back for Christmas after maybe like a year in a year in Thailand, working in Thailand when I first came, and I remember I left I left one of my friends' gyms in Glasgow in Scotland, and I'm looking at all the all these shitty buildings. The roads are wet. It's covered in muddy snow. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm never never moving back here if I can help it. Yeah, Exhausted. it is a little bit. You get depressive, you know. Yeah, I can see why people get depressed there. And plus, like the light in the daytime changes in the winter time as well right it makes so much with you yeah yeah when you have sun light asia's exciting as well there's a there's a little bit of like i, I don't want i don't want to say it in a negative way but like there's chaos in asia mm. like it's chaotic and everything's moving so fast as well so you just like as long as you can control yourself obviously bangkok for a lot of foreigners it's so new it's so exciting True. there's less rules True. If you don't, if you can't control yourself, it can kind of like swallow you up a little bit where like you just like, there's too much, um, there's just too much like, um, like too, too many things kind of exciting you at the same time True. before you just get wrapped up in True. it basically. But if you can control yourself, like Asian would be a great place to be, I think. It's always about control. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, you can try mm -hmm. at least, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes mm -hmm. not, but what you can always control is your state of mind, mm -hmm. how you react to things. And I know what you mean with Asia. Yeah. I really like it too, you yeah. know, how it's going on here. And mm -hmm. like very interesting to see like the difference between the countries. Yeah. So like I, I just been in the Philippines mm -hmm. before like a month ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Completely yeah. different. Yeah. To comparing to Thailand. And I believe it will also be then to Cambodia and Vietnam. Yeah. But that's just the way how it is you know the beauty every country is special by themselves and i think also like myanmar mm -hmm. you said like it's like 10 15 years behind like yeah. behind thailand and that makes it also very like interesting exciting it's a little bit more like mm -hmm. more calm but still chaotic yeah but like in a different way right exactly yeah, yeah. so how did you find the philippines overall did you train there i did yeah uh, were you in manila no, we just flew to Manila and then to Cebu. Ah, you went to Cebu? Yeah, okay. I, I, I stayed in Cebu, mm -hmm. but I trained in Cebu Escrima. Right. Do you know it? It's like the Filipino martial art, Exactly, right? yeah. the stick and knife fight. So 
I learned this from my friend Stefan and Daniel mm -hmm. back in Switzerland, and they are like grandmaster in this. And my friend Stefan, he lived he lived before 30 years in Cebu. Mm -hmm. He was diving teacher and also uh, teaching Eskrima training there. Mm -hmm. And we went together to visit it. And then we trained there just the whole week Eskrima, mm -hmm. which was really nice. Yeah. And then we went to Bohol, mm -hmm. the island next to it. And there I trained. Um, there was a Nogi class with yeah. the guys, the yeah. good guys. Mm -hmm. And it's like same, you know, it's upcoming like it's starting you know like still not at the highest level but they're doing you know yeah. like they're doing good yeah if you go to manila it's a little bit different there's gyms everywhere there like really even, there's hundreds of gyms if you go into like the, the affluent area called makati there's like gyms in every single building basically oh shit even my friend runs a gym there as well now yeah how yeah. is the level very the, high high they have the they have the national i'd say Probably one of the highest level Southeast Asian national teams are Philippines. Really? And one of the reasons being is because Philippines has a really strong connection with the U.S. Yeah, true. And true. the one association with the Philippines that they have right now is Atos. So then the national team, they go trade with them, Andre Galvao in San Diego the whole time. Okay. And they come in and out. I didn't know that. Yeah. And then a lot of, yeah, so there's a lot of gyms, there's a lot of associations. Okay. So you get a lot of people and high-level competitors coming in to teach in Philippines. They love it there. That's I mean, cool. Lucas Lepre, there's an association for Lucas Lepre there as well. But yeah, if you go into Manila, a lot of gyms there. Yeah. yeah. Good to know. Yeah. But yeah, Manila is just too much. <laughs> it's, I remember, it's yeah. Super crowded. We're, and we're just trying like, to go oh, train at gyms there during rush hour. There's no way, like, gyms. just... You're not moving. No, you're not moving. So we just gave Better up. Better leave the car, whatever, just walk and maybe you will arrive yeah. by time. But yeah, it's but, crazy. But there's gyms in every other like parts of the big of the bigger cities as oh, well. Cool. So you'll you'll find a good gym there. G generally, atmosphere is really friendly there as well. So it's just yeah, they are they're friendly. The it's just it's just the traffic that can be a bit of a That's pain true. in the ass. Yeah. That's true. Mm -hmm. I'm sure also like in Cebu, they have many gyms, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like next time, then I will also visit them. Yeah. They have a lot of competitions there as well. Okay. Yeah. And uh, around around the Philippines. Like everywhere now here, yeah. and especially South Asia, right? That's that's what's going to raise the level as well when you think about it, right? But I, I saw it also like uh, friends from Pakistan and then in India in Delhi. They had just like a competition not long time ago. Mm -hmm. And it's cool, you know, like they do, they're doing something. So it's like jujitsu is like spreading out and it's really cool. It's pretty awesome because... Um, a lot of the like uh, i didn't realize how many gyms there are in india but um a lot of them come to do competitions in uh, thailand mostly nogi competition but mm -hmm. yeah they're, they're they're up and coming for sure as well yeah there was an indian guy at uh, my division when i uh, fought now mm -hmm. in afg mm -hmm. in bangkok yeah so yeah they're also traveling and fighting so it's yeah. cool it's pretty awesome it is yeah especially oh. you know meeting all like just i realize it so I'm not really like into like competition, mm -hmm. but it's like super nice to meet people all over the world. You know, I already like spoke then off to a guy I fought. Uh, he was from Chiang Mai, mm -hmm. from Gato yeah. uh, studio. Yeah. And I told him like, I would like to visit Chiang Mai. I said, sure. Yeah. yeah. He gave me the contact. Yeah. Then I visited, mm -hmm. trained there. You see like super nice. Yeah. And also spoke to a guy from South Korea. Mm -hmm. So already have a contact there. 
it's all about that, you know, like yeah. the network. And that's the one good thing about jujitsu is like wherever you go, if there's a jujitsu gym, you have a friendly place. And they help each other. Exactly. It's not the same. Like I played before uh, football. Yeah. Like as you go, like as a football player to somewhere you do holidays, whatever, and you like just to train with the club, mm -hmm. no chance. It's a little bit tribal. No, they will yeah. not let you. Of course, I understand. Like yeah. we don't want that you um, injured our players. So, but yeah, martial arts is just different. Yeah. So much, mm -hmm. much nicer. Even in, um, I went to Dubrovnik for a wedding. Oh, and nice. Yeah. <laughs> you like and it? Man, the size of the people in Croatia are crazy. <laughs> the Balkans. Uh. I went to this place called Gladiator MMA. I just contacted them. I said, can I come train with you guys? And like, there's like a 15-year-old kid and he's like taller than me. I was like, what the f <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Of course, but, when he's eating all the time, chubab chichi. Yeah. <laughs> Man, like everyone's... It? I loved it. Yeah, it was a beautiful city. I was there for a wedding anyway. So it was like, I only got to train once. But yeah, just in general, it's a beautiful city. Cool. Yeah. The only place in Croatia? Yeah, Dubrovnik, the only place I could visit at the time. Uh, yeah, I was living in Japan at the time as well. So okay. I have, in Japan, like work is work, right? So you have true, a very true, limited true, amount of time true, to, true. to do travel and stuff like that. They take it very serious. Well, that's, that's what you're going to notice when you go to Tokyo is the timetable. Classes are like 8 p.m. It's because like, even if the, uh, even if really? the, yeah, even if the working day finishes at five, let's say, for example, we're in the office and the boss is sitting at the table, right? The day closes at 5 p.m right okay if he doesn't leave you don't leave i heard about it yeah that's crazy they're trying to change the culture right now but yes yeah, it's, it's going to take a while before it changes in a drastic way what do you think about that what that working life it's, it's no way to live yeah i remember um i had a friend um, he moved to thailand for work for a while and he said once you graduate from university and then you go into work you can just expect not to leave the office until 10 p.m minimum it's just a cultural thing and then when he moved to Thailand, he's still working for a Japanese company, but the culture is a little bit more chill, right? And sure. he just said, I can't, believe how, I can't believe I did that for a year. It's the most dumbest thing I've ever done. But they don't realize it no. when they are like really into it. Yeah. They are just like stuck. Yeah. And like the, hon the honor they have, mm -hmm. like the respect, mm -hmm. beautiful. Yeah. You need to have it. I, I truly believe like it's a good thing, mm -hmm. but still you have to put yourself in first place to prioritize yeah. some things there's no literal translation for um, individuality in japan they're not if, if you translate it from english or let's say from a different language to the japanese it means that you're an outsider basically so you can't you have to be the same or you have to conform basically and that's the hard thing you said about yeah. it that you have to put yourself in the system mm -hmm. otherwise yeah. it, it will just it will not work out with most Japanese people, they're in the system and they don't really look outwards. Um, so they think it's normal, right? But then let's say, for example, they move to a different country for work reasons. Some of them just realize how some of them like adapt quite well. But some people are so well programmed in Japanese culture. They, can, they, they, can't, they can't adjust in like this kind of like open environment, basically. But, but again, it's just like times are changing as well. Yeah. That's true. Let's see how it will be yeah. when I arrive. Yeah. They'll and be a lot more friendlier, I think. Sure. And I, what I also want to say, I think it's very different if you go from gym to a gym mm -hmm. and you can at least a little bit um, speak Japanese. Mm -hmm. They will welcome you much more and like... They'll be friendlier, find, yeah. yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Because not many of them mm -hmm. outside of Tokyo or the big city, they speak English. Not really, guess, no. Really? So if you make an effort, they'll really appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah. And then you find like a better connection to them and mm -hmm. 
we'll see how it will be. And I think, no, no, it's different. I'm not there to work. Mm -hmm. I'm traveling, training. So it's like completely different, but I'm sure it's going to be more structure and everything like uh, on the place and it'll be good. All right. So um, lastly, is there anybody you'd like to thank? To all, all my close people really, which support me with like every day and even the people I don't know, mm -hmm. which are randomly found me like on Instagram, but follow me like the whole journey. That's really nice. I appreciate this. I also appreciate your time that we are sitting talking yeah. here. Really nice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, just all the people I met on the way. All right. Then and that you're going to meet in the future as well. In the future. Yeah. You know, it's still a long way. Mm -hmm. Like the whole way is done, but yeah. still got a long way to go. That's awesome. That's man. true. All right, Patrick, yeah. thank you very much. Thank you very thank much. You. Thank you.